This episode is one for all of you cat owners, but don't worry if you just have a dog, as in many ways the questions will be just as relevant. Certainly the answers will. And I'm talking about all things weight related, starting off with how much to feed your cat and actually how to feed them as well, how to give them that food, followed on by how to recognise if they are a healthy weight or overweight and to get that family member who is in denial and I hope that's not you, on board with the need for a weight loss plan. Finally, I'm then switching topic completely as I talk about how to choose the best dog if you're an older person with some really important questions that you need to ask yourself if you're thinking about getting a dog for companionship. But before we get into all that, I've got the intro. You're listening to the Dr. Alex Answers Podcast, the show that answers all of your dog and cat health questions so they can live healthier, happier lives. And here's your host, veterinarian, Dr. Alex Avery. Hi, and welcome to episode number 23 of the Dr. Alex Answer Show. If we've not met before, then I'm Dr. Alex, and I'm the veterinarian behind rpetshealth.com, and I'm delighted to have you along with me to talk about a topic that I'm incredibly passionate about. Now, obesity, feeding practices, and the benefits of our dogs and our cats being the healthiest version of themselves possible is something that I really enjoy talking about, and I think it is an incredibly important topic to cover. So make sure that you're subscribed if you're not already. And before we get into the questions, I just as well wanted to give you the heads up about some big news for the podcast. So the Dr. Alex Answer Show is actually being completely rebranded with new artwork and a new name. Now, if you've signed up for access to the Knowledge Vault and you receive my newsletter, then you'll already know about this and know that it's been on the cards uh, as I was asking you about your thoughts on a new name. And really, the reason for this is that it's become apparent to me that people, that they're seeing the current name and they've really just got no idea what the show is about or they think it really is a human health related podcast. And that's clearly not true. It's dealing with dogs and cats and, and their health care. And I'm a veterinarian. So really, a it was clear that a rebrand was needed. So the new name to look out for is Call the Vet with Dr. Alex Avery. So that's going to be um, probably next week. That's going to be coming out maybe the week after if I don't kind of get the last few jobs I've got to do finished. But don't worry, it's going to be the same great content. I'm going to be answering all of your dog and cat health questions. And there's also going to be a new feature rolled out where you can actually leave me a voicemail message. So you can um, leave me a message rather than have to um, kind of sit there and type out your question. You can just record an audio version, which can then be featured on the show. Obviously, if you're a bit shy and you don't want to speak to me, that's absolutely fine. Um, You can still write in and that will still be a way to get in touch because really this podcast is for you. It's about answering all of the questions that you need answered. Now, if you're subscribed, you also don't need to do anything at all. So the title, the artwork will all change automatically and you'll continue to receive every single episode of the show. And so on to the first question, and this comes from Lords of Podtown, and it was actually sent to me on Twitter, um, and they write, how do I know how much to feed my cat? I feel like most food dishes are too big. This is a fantastic question. So, you know, it, it, it kind of factors into how we're actually feeding our cats as well as how much to feed them and and obviously they're closely linked but never feed just by filling up a bowl that's the first thing never ever just kind of fill up a bowl and keep filling it up when it becomes empty or as it's getting low so we call that ad lib feeding which basically means that your cat is deciding 
how much they're going to eat and they've just got free access to food so it always used to be thought that dogs we actually needed to feed set meals but cats you could just leave food down they'd self-regulate they're you know pretty good at only eating when they're hungry and they're not going to get overweight but really that is not true at all as I'll discuss later so never ad lib feed never just fill up the bowl kind of the next thing to say is that any feeding guides really are just that they're guides rather than rules so we want to be taking all of these steps and we want to be constantly re-evaluating based on the size of your cat and the weight of your cat and the condition that they are so kind of the first step if you like is to feed the most appropriate diet for your cat that's going to really make sure that they're getting all the nutrients that they need that are appropriate for their life stage so you know are they a kitten are they an adult are they a geriatric cat are they neutered because neutered animals need significantly less energy than entire animals than sexually intact animals do you need to feed a light diet a weight loss diet so feed the most appropriate diet for your cat is going to help you not just feed the right amount but also feed the right amount ensuring that they get the nutrients that they require um, and going to help prevent them to become from becoming overweight while maintaining their muscle mass as well which is clearly very important so the second step once you know what diet to feed is to determine kind of what your cat's ideal weight is and we do this in kind of the main way we do this is by doing something called a condition score or a body condition score and it's a way of asking some simple questions that that really just let you know whether your cat's overweight and that takes into account the frame of your cat so the the size of your cat's body how long their torso is how long their legs are that kind of thing so you don't have to rely on breed charts or standard weight charts uh, which really are, are very kind of inappropriate they're very inaccurate they have really wide ranges that's going to be off by a significant amount for a large number of individuals so we need to condition a score and again I'm going to be talking about that actually in a later question and the other way to determine your cat's ideal weight is clearly to have a vet check so get your vet to check your cat over or next time you're in with for vaccinations or for for whatever kind of health concerns they might have ask your vet what their ideal weight is because you know we're seeing cats come through the clinic every day we're going to be seeing you know 10 15 cats you know it depends on how busy the clinic is of course we're going to be seeing multiple cats every day and so we really do know what an ideal weight of a cat should be and we can really very quickly assess whether your cat is a healthy weight whether they're overweight obviously whether they're underweight as well uh, and we're going to be able to give you a guide of what that ideal weight would be now the next step then for feeding your cat is if they're a healthy weight then actually just start with using the guide on the side of a packet now in my experience they do tend to be overestimated amounts so it's pretty common for uh, the food manufacturers to slightly overestimate the amount that you should feed your cat now the cynical among you will say well that's so that they can feed um, that's so that you're feeding more food so you're buying more food and they're making more money there may certainly be some truth in that but also they will say that they need to make sure that the amount they're feeding is going to be appropriate for every cat and so they tend to make their assumptions based on maybe an entire cat that is very very active rather than the majority of cats who are neutered and who lead kind of quite sedentary quite quiet quite inactive lifestyles and so they're going to need much less energy so we also you know really need to take into account that into the equation like I say that's going to then involve going back and monitoring your cat's weight to see if they're gaining weight and becoming overweight or whether they're maintaining the weight nicely or obviously if the weight's falling off them and actually we don't want them to lose any weight we also need to take into account any treats or any other diets any other things that we're feeding your cat 
in the day. So if you're regularly giving your cat a treat at breakfast or when you go to bed or at some other point of time, you need to be reducing the amount of food that you're giving them, otherwise they're normal kind of cat food. So we need to not just think about how much of the diet we should be feeding and think of that as the sole thing if we're giving other treats or other things for your cat to eat. So the next step to feeding the right amount or giving your cat the right amount is that if they're overweight, then you actually need to feed for their healthy weight. So that means if you say you've got a five kilogram cat who should be um, four kilograms, then you need to look on the side of the pack and say and, and find out how much that four kilogram weight should be, um, amount that you should be feeding for a four kilogram weight, and then actually reduce that by about 15%. So if, for example, and this is going to be too much, but if, for example, it said a four kilogram cat should feed, uh, you should be feeding 100 grams of food a day. Well, actually, you then need to reduce that by 15%. So you would need to feed 85 grams a day to your cat if they're overweight and you're wanting them to lose weight. And then if you got an obese cat so if they're really heavy if they're significantly overweight then really you need to have a, a really proper weight loss diet um, and a weight loss plan just to maximize the chance of them achieving their healthy weight and there's a number of different ways that we can do that once all that's done also always monitor your weight and like I say adjust if they're gaining or if they're getting too thin it's not just a, a something that you do once you kind of then forget about it you ignore it because the chances are is your cat will gain weight it's such a common problem and then as I could have mentioned in the intro we also need to think about how we're actually feeding our cats so the temptation is and what the majority of us will be doing is simply popping it into the food bowls your cat will be going straight to their food bowl at dinner time they're going to be kind of hoovering up their food it's going to take them no time at all uh, and that's really not great for their mental activity for their well-being also for the amount that they're eating because they're really gorging themselves and they're they're filling themselves up before the feelings of being full hit their brain so they're continuing to eat despite the fact that they've eaten more than enough so we can use instead of food bowls we can use activity toys you can use food puzzles uh, just to make your pet have to work make your cat have to think about how they're going to get that food so that's things like treat balls which are balls that you unscrew you can fill up with with food and then your cat has to kind of bat it around along the floor and as the ball rolls along there's a hole that the the food falls out of and they get one piece at a time there are other other food puzzles where you hide things and your cat has to perform certain tasks to get to it or they have to try and kind of dig it out of a a, a long hollow tube um, you know there's a whole number of different ways of, of activity feeders and different things that we can use you know as well as slow down eating it, like I say it really improves mental agility so it gives your cat something to do their life can often be pretty boring they're just sitting there sleeping all the time because there's not much to do cats aren't big players but if you motivate them with food then you know they're going to have a, a much happier time at meal times they're going to eat less they're less likely to gain weight and then just before we get into the next question I wanted to let you know that I've got loads of information over over at ourpetshealth.com all about feeding your cat, all about feeding your dog as well, about weight loss, uh, healthy weight management, as well as all of the different diets that you might be considering. I've got a whole wealth of information all about kind of grain-free diets, about raw feeding, uh, about some of the food recalls some of the bigger brands have experienced. So definitely head over to those. I'll link them in the show notes and you know have a little check of those to give your pet the best chance of being the healthiest version of themselves possible. You're listening to the Dr. Alex Answers Show. 
And then my next question is also on the weight front, and it's from Subin, who writes that um, Subin's soon-to-be brother-in-law has two British short hairs. Um, he knows that this breed is more chunky-looking than others, but one of his cats is clearly way overbeast. They're only two years old, and I can only see it getting worse from here on in. Um, the future brother-in-law feeds them four times a day, basically still feeds them kittens amount, kitten amounts, and the fat one finishes off everything the skinnier one doesn't eat. So what can Subin say uh, say to encourage him to put the poor cat on a diet? I've said things before, but he denies the cat is fat, calling him cute and saying it's normal for the breed. So Subin, your brother-in-law is not alone. As I've already hinted at, obesity being overweight in our pet cats and our pet dogs is a huge problem. And actually in the US alone, 60% of cats are classed as overweight or obese. So that's really huge. 60% of cats are classed as overweight or obese. But despite this, 80% of pet owners think that their pet is a healthy weight. So this clearly means that there are a lot of cats out there who are overweight or obese, and yet their owners don't appreciate there being a problem. So it's not that they recognize that their cat's overweight and they don't care and they're quite happy with that situation. They actually don't recognize it as a problem. They recognize their cat as being a healthy weight, despite in some cases being significantly heavier and even almost twice as heavy as they should be. And really, in my experience, unless a a pet owner recognizes that their cat or their dog is overweight and accepts that this is a problem, then there's actually little chance of them taking any action to correct the situation because it's something that takes commitment, it takes dedication, it takes a long time. And so you really need to be aware of the problems. You need to be committed to getting your your cat down to the healthiest weight that they can be. But people, they really just don't see it and they're going to accept that they're or they're going to think that their pet is you know just a little bit chunky or you know their big boned is the classic one isn't it so you know your your brother-in-law isn't alone here and I think part of the reason is because we're just so accustomed to seeing overweight animals so if 60% of cats are overweight it really is the case that the vast majority of cats that people are seeing are overweight and it's skewed our perception of normal so we're seeing these animals and we're thinking them as normal when in fact you know they are carrying too much weight the flip side also is is that I've had clients come to me in my consult room to say you know I'm just bringing my dog or my cat in for a checkup because people keep telling me they're skinny they're underweight they're really unhealthy and actually these cats these cats and these dogs are a picture of health they're really lean they're nice and well muscled and it's exactly what a dog or a cat should look like but again because we're so used to seeing overweight animals people are saying that they're underweight they're not healthy and something needs to be done and even they're saying that the owners aren't feeding them properly they're not looking after them properly and they're effectively neglecting their pet which couldn't be further from the truth so with all this in mind my first piece of advice to try and kind of get somebody to accept that their pet is overweight and that action needs to be taken is it's really important not to judge or to be kind of accusatory towards them so don't kind of start going going in there kind of all guns blazing saying you're doing a really bad job it's all your fault you're overfeeding your your pet um you know look at what you've done to them because that's only going to get them in a super defensive mood they're not going to be kind of accepting anything that you say they're just going to stop listening um, and you're going to have a falling out and no good is going to come of that situation so you know we really need to be accepting of the fact that actually having an overweight dog or cat is a really common and a really easy situation to to get into and actually it's generally due to kind of 
a misplaced love rather than neglect. So we're giving treats, we're giving extra extra treats, we're giving extra kind of snacks and tidbits, we're giving them uh, portions from of our own food because that's the way that we show our affection towards our dog or our cat. You know, so so you know be aware that kind of this obesity and this weight comes from a, a place of love rather than a place of neglect. And also we need to accept that environment and genetics also play a role too. So it may be actually out of your, out of kind of the, their hands, out of the owner's hands. For example, um, Labradors, there is a certain genetic um, makeup of certain strains, certain lines of Labradors that they actually don't have a feeling of full or it doesn't switch on until they've eaten far too much and so they're really prone to overeating you know it's a bit of a joke that we think of kind of labradors uh uh, dustbins on legs because they'll just eat anything and they'll fill themselves up and that's because they're actually genetically programmed not to feel full so you know we need to take all of those things into account and you know being judging or being accusatory really would just be the worst thing to do and then you know how can we get them to accept that their their pet is overweight then well get them to body condition score their cat or their dog themselves so that's a way like I said in the last question that's a way of just assessing whether or not your cat is their ideal weight regardless of the size of their body how big their bones are if you like the size of their frame um, you know that kind of thing so to do this they have to answer kind of three three questions for a cat. And the first one is, is can you feel their ribs? So there should be a minimal fat covering. You shouldn't need to have any pressure placed on their kind of across their chest. You just run their fingers from kind of from front to back and you should feel the ribs kind of gently trickling over your fingers without putting any pressure if you're having to put a little bit of pressure and there's a little bit of sponginess there then that's a sign that there's uh, a potential for being overweight if you can't feel their ribs or you're having to put a lot of pressure on to feel them then your cat is overweight full stop now the next question that you have to ask is do they have a clear waist from above so if we look at our cat from above then they should have a, a kind of an hourglass figure they should be kind of wider at the at the ribs as you run your hands down towards their back uh, they should have a kind of a tuck in in their abdomen and then it should get wider again over the hips so that's the next thing to do if it's becoming square if your cat's becoming square when you're doing that then again they're becoming overweight if they're round so if they're more like a balloon and they're actually wider in the weight in the in the waist in their belly then again that means that they're overweight and then the last the last question really is a specific cat question to ask is is there a fat pad so cats will generally collect excess fat in between their back legs so we call that a a fat pad so as well as that rounding of the abdomen there's often a fat wobble or a bit of loose skin between the back legs now you'll see this kind of wobbling from side to side and a really fat cat and it might be even that it's quite close to the ground so if you pop your hand between your cat's back legs um, when they're standing up and you can kind of get a hand of something wobbly then that says there's a fat pad there and that means again full stop they're overweight and some action needs to be taken so if you get your um, you know your family member or your friend who's got an overweight animal but struggling to accept that get them to condition score their cat themselves to answer those questions and I'll also leave links in the show notes to some charts that you can use that help explain everything really clearly and give pictures um, to demonstrate you know if you can get them to answer those questions themselves and come to the realization themselves that their cat is overweight then that will really help highlight the problem 
And then my final step would be to actually highlight the dangers and the expense of having an overweight cat. So this is going to be really beneficial if your your friend or your family member knows that their pet is overweight but actually really doesn't care or if they're not really thinking of it as an important situation. So why should I worry if my pet's overweight? I you know, I'm not interested. So highlight the dangers and highlight the expense of having an overweight cat. So some statistics for you which I know everyone loves statistics, but obese cats they're over 4 times more likely to suffer from diabetes. Obese cats are twice as likely to suffer from skin disease. They're five times more likely to suffer from arthritis and from lameness. They're also going to be at an increased anaesthetic risk if they need surgery for any reasons. They're going to be at an increased risk of fatty liver, which is something that can happen if they're unwell, for example, and they stop eating for a few days. They can go into acute liver failure and die as a result of that. And ultimately, being overweight and being obese just reduces quality of life and it reduces life expectancy as well as you know if you've got diabetes that involves um, injections with insulin twice a day so that's not just an expense with with the treatment with the insulin with the monitoring Um, it's also you know a big impact on kind of the owner's quality of life because you've got to be committed to actually um, treating your cat twice a day when it comes to arthritis again there's medications to pay for there's monitoring blood tests to run so all of those costs run you know they they really do add up so there's you know significant benefit to getting a cat down to a healthy weight especially while they're young and they're not going to be you know kind of any any harm done effectively if you can get their weight down to a healthy weight while they're young but at any stage there's always going to be benefits to reducing weights and any weight loss is going to help we certainly know with arthritis um, and dogs for example you only need six percent of weight loss of body weight loss to have a massive impact on comfort levels and and pain levels so you know every little really does help and then kind of my final thing to suggest would be to see if your local vet clinic if they run any free weight checks or nurse clinics um technician clinics um just to provide support to provide encouragement and to provide motivation because weight loss it's a long-term objective it's something that never really ends because once you get to a healthy weight once your pet gets to a healthy weight you then need to maintain that you want to prevent their weight just rebounding uh going back up which is something that can commonly happen because we stop thinking of it as a priority but certainly for any pet that has been overweight and obese you know concentrating on their weight feeding them the right amount making sure they're not gaining weight once they get down to that healthy weight you know takes a lot of commitment so having your local vet clinic uh kind of be your cheerleaders, be your champions, provide support, provide encouragement and provide motivation is really, really important and will massively increase your chance of success. And then just remember that the information that I give in these podcasts is not to substitute for a consultation and an examination with your pet's veterinarian. And it really shouldn't be taken as specific advice for any individual pet. If your pet is unwell, if they're injured, if they're suffering from any kind of problem, then talking to your vet is always the best course of action. Get your question answered at dralexanswers.com. And then for my last question, I'm changing tack completely and I'm answering a question from Malcolm who says, I'd like advice on choosing the right companion dog for a more senior couple and persuading the other half that it would be a good thing for our health. So really, if we're choosing a, a choosing a breed at any time of life, really, there's very little difference. There's a few key questions that we need to ask when we're thinking about bringing a dog into our family to make sure that we're choosing the right dog that's going to suit your lifestyle, suit your situation. And that includes your age and your mobility and all that kind of thing. So the four questions really are, 
do you want a big or a small breed dog? So that's going to um, impact the space that you're going to need for them, um, the strength of the dog and your ability to cope with that as well. Um, the next question is, do you want an energetic or a quiet breed? So, you know, an energetic breed is going to be great to get you out and about to, to get you exercise. But, you know, a quiet breed is potentially going to be more appropriate if you're, uh, you, you know, if you're not as mobile or if there are health problems or if you're living in a city or in a flat or something like that are there any specific breed problems you need to be aware of is the next thing to consider so you know we need to be aware that certain individual breeds do have problems they're more or they're more prone to developing problems um and will you be able to cope with those and then the next question is do you want a young dog or an old dog obviously you know a young puppy uh a middle-aged dog, an adult dog, or an older dog, is that going to be better for you? Uh, And really, you need to consider your lifestyle in this very importantly. So are you healthy? Are you fit? Are you active? Are you wanting a walking companion? Or do you want a more placid dog who doesn't need so much exercise because you're not going to be able to provide it to them? You know, when it comes to thinking about a puppy, an adult dog, or a senior dog, well, you know, puppies, they really likely have so much energy to burn. And if you're you know, looking for a quieter dog than a puppy of any breed, you know, may not be the best choice. On the plus side, you know, if you're um, retired, then you're likely to have a lot of time to train, um, to socialise your puppy, which is really important and fantastic for bonding as well. If you get an adult dog, though, they're going to be calmer than puppies or they're likely to be calmer than puppies. They're hopefully already come trained as well, be house trained, um, you know, and they'll be much more level headed if you like. And you're going to know when you can get introduced to an adult dog that that's what their personality is going to be like when clearly a puppy uh, can turn into any kind of dog depending on uh kind of the the input that gets put into them but also uh you know their parents and things like that which may not be apparent when you first pick up a puppy and then you know is a senior dog actually going to be better for you they're going to be more placid um they're going to be quieter um they hopefully have less problems they'll be um you know kind of fit in really well they may though have health problems already and you know that's something to consider um and one thing to think about as well is that if you get a senior dog, depending on kind of your age, depending on your health as well, a senior dog is less likely to outlive you, which is something to consider and something that I'll come on to, although that's a little bit of a morbid thought. Um, and, the, and then the next thing to say is that, you know, it's all very well. We all think of getting a new dog. We go to a breeder um, we get a nice uh, kind of a nice, healthy puppy. And I've certainly done plenty of posts over on ourpetshealth.com about that. But local shelters um, or rescue charities, they're going to have dogs of all ages, all breeds and all temperaments just waiting for that perfect home. So if you're not really sure kind of what kind of dog you're after, be that the breed that you're after, be that the age that you're after, then you know, head down to your local shelter or rescue charity, even just for a look around. They're going to be more than happy to show you around um, to talk to you about the best option for you and for your lifestyle. So as I've touched on, you also need to consider your age, your health and your living arrangements. So we need to consider that, you know, our dogs are living longer and longer. So a small dog will often live to, you know, 16, 18 years of age, even, you know, some will even live longer. A larger dog, um, you know, certainly the really large dogs will, you know, potentially they'll be senior dogs, by the time they get to eight years old, um, you know, they might be living until 12, some some big dogs. So they're going to live for less long. How much weight can you lift is something to consider. You know, are you going to be able to carry your sick dog to the car? So you're going to get to get them to the vet if they're unwell in the middle of the night and there's no one around to help you. 
Um, are you going to help be able to help them into the car if they get arthritis when they get older and they you know they become less mobile so you know think about that also you know if they're pulling you on the lead are you going to be pulled over and hurt yourself or are you going to be able to comfortably manage their strength um, you know also are you likely to need to move into a retirement complex or assisted living or something like that you know and what are their pet policies if they're going to accept a small dog um, but not a large dog then that may impact your decision as well and also like I suggested, it's although a bit morbid, you want to plan for what happens if your pet outlives you. So that's going to help reduce your stress if you do become unwell, because a lot of the time your family, they won't be able to or they won't want to take on the responsibility of bringing your dog into their house. So talk to friends or family about rehoming to them kind of well in advance. Think about estate planning. So include kind of wishes in your will and consider funds for ongoing care. Certainly in the UK, there are, um, there's a charity called the Cinnamon Trust or there's the RSPCA home for life scheme um, that that you can join um, and that will kind of ensure that your dog is looked after if they outlive you and that can bring a lot of peace of mind because we don't want to get into a situation where your older dog has to go into kind of really poor care or you know ultimately may even be euthanized because a home can't be found for them you know and that would just be such a sad way for them to end their life after you know could have been such loyal companions so when it comes to some suggestions of what the best dog breed is for an older person well the kind of classic older person companion breeds are small dogs so things like the bichon freeze your shih tzus your chihuahuas your westies you know they're all really good companion dogs their size is really manageable so they can be they can be picked up and they often love being picked up and cuddled um you know and they really are great companion personalities you want a slightly larger dog where you consider something like a, a cavalier king charles spaniel um you know might be a really good choice a couple of other suggestions that you know may not think of a greyhound can actually be a really good companion dog you know it's a larger breed dog but they are actually really placid so we think of greyhounds as racing around the track but actually they don't require very much energy they can be pretty lazy um, and they're fantastic companions they're really great personalities they're very placid um, yeah and they're great and then the other consideration is actually is a cat going to be better so depending on your arrangements you know you might have always had dogs in your life you might be a real dog person but a cat may be more suited to um, to you in your older age depending on your situation and cats as well can provide great companions um, and are really you know valuable additions to your household so there's a few questions there when it comes to thinking about bringing a dog into your life and really they're like I say appropriate for anybody of any age and any situation because we're thinking about kind of starting a relationship that needs to last for your dog's lifetime so we don't want to be taking it likely lightly we don't want to make the wrong decision and regret that and even need to kind of end up rehoming your dog because you're not able to cope or they're you know completely the wrong character and something that you shouldn't have considered so run through those questions and have a little think you know and also talk to your local shelter or rescue charity because they're going to be able to work with you to kind of narrow it down to find absolutely the best dog for you right so that's it for this episode of the podcast help keep the pet cat population lean and healthy by sharing this episode with your cat owning friends and family or of course if you've got any seniors in your life thinking about bringing a new dog into their lives then make sure you send them this way also remember to subscribe and until next time Take care. You've been listening to the Dr. Alex Answers Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and we'll see you on the next episode of the show where you ask the questions and Dr. Alex answers.